Welcome to the Perimenopause Power Podcast. We are Lisa and Natalie, two certified holistic health coaches passionate about helping women embrace their physiology to elevate their highest potential for confidence, health and energy. Perimenopause will be unique to you and each episode gives you the power in knowing that you can define your own journey. Let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Perimenopause Power. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Nat. How are you going today? Really good. And don't we have a special treat for our listeners today with today's episode on the podcast? We have got Mish Wright. And before I introduce Mish, I do want to give a bit of a background as to who Mish Wright is. So Mish is both passionate and committed to improving the outcomes for women participating in any type of exercise. After a decade of teaching, Mish started her second career as a group fit instructor and personal trainer. Mish is the founder of the multi-award winning fitness business franchise Mish Fit, which specialized in training women. For over 12 years, Mish has been writing, presenting, educating and mentoring fitness professionals in both business and topics around women's health and older adults. And excitedly, Mish has just launched a new program specifically for women called Evolution. Evolution a revolution in women's wellness with a core focus on closing the gap between fitness and women with pelvic floor dysfunction. A huge welcome, Mish. Thank you for coming along today. Oh, and thank you for having me, Nat and Lisa. It's great to be here. Fabulous. And we've gotten to know you over the last couple of months, and it's been really great to have you part of uh, one of our events in the past, but also get to know you a lot more and a bit more about your work and your passion for women's fitness and health in particular. But before we talk about women's fitness and exercise, we thought that we would hear from you and uh, learn a little bit about yourself and your own perimenopause story. Um, thanks, Nat and Lisa. Do you know, I've been thinking about this, um, you know, what is my perimenopause story? Um, and I, I'm going to preface it with a story that um, someone told me that uh, this is when I was in my 40s, I'm now 51, about to turn 52, said to me that when she was 16, she hated her body. Um, and when she was 26, she wished she had the body that she had when she was 16. And when she was 36, she wished she had the body that she had when she was 26. So I think that a big part of my perimenopause story is um, re-loving and readjusting to the change that my body is going through. And just recently, I feel like every woman my age is telling me how much they hate the fact that they're putting on weight and their body is changing. And, um, and I just think, man, imagine if we were 10 years older than we are right now and looking back at our body and who we are now, what would be the story we'd be telling ourselves? So I'm just going to fast forward to being 62 and I'm going to describe my body now at 52 um, as I imagine in 10 years future. Does that make sense? Absolutely. 
Yeah, perfect sense. Thanks. Thanks, Michelle. And it's it's so true. And as you were talking, I can reflect on my own battles over the years as well, actually. And can I just add to just a personal story? I remember going to a well-known um, fitness center in my early 20s. I think I was 20 and 21. And, and look, I've always been quite slim. But the woman I met with, she said, geez, you, you know, good on you. You, you know, you're so lucky, etc." She said, oh, just wait. 10 years time and you know all that weight will come piling onto you and do you know I just that whole message has just stayed with me my entire life actually and I guess it is it's that mentality that we just um you know there's that expectation around weight and and looking a certain way and yeah that that message has just stayed with me my whole life yeah it is interesting and look there's nothing like working in the fitness industry to make use um, hypersensitive about how you look um, and so I have really made a decision in my life to not engage with conversation that is about weight because we live in a society where we equate youth to health and beauty to thinness and I stand up and I present all the time and I am going to be comfortable in my skin so that I can be, um, a, you know, a role model for the women who are younger than me, that it is okay to age and change um, and be your authentic self. Oh, God, I love that, Michelle. Mish, because I, um, I, I have to say, I, um, so I'm 51 and I've certainly seen um different weight um, distributions in my body since I'm smacking perimenopause also. And um, it's, it's that acceptance because we've got so many um, messages out there and the media is just really good at feeding that. It's that acceptance that there is a change in the way that your body looks and that happens all through your life. But we, uh, you know, we talk to a lot of women and they, they just say bang on about this, this, the weight that they're putting on or this weight weight. Uh, weight redistribution and it really does it's front of mind for them and really I think it's about you know being a healthy person and accepting that things are going to happen and all those changes are going to happen so it's a it's a great message that you've just explained so Mish over the last few months as Nat said we've got to know you and some of our community have also especially through our world menopause day panel event which you came on and um, so beautifully contributed towards. So we'd like to know, where does your passion come from in supporting women to move more, general fitness, and more specifically, pelvic floor dysfunction? Okay, well, strap yourself in, ladies. Um, so I am not a naturally sporty person. In fact, I'm a Kiwi, so and I come from a sporty family, from a sporting na nation, and I am the odd one out. I grew up hating sport, hating getting sweaty. I was, um, you're more likely to find me under a tree with a book or writing, imagining that I was an author. So um, the fact that I am a fitness professional, um, if you went back to, um, you know, my school, and certainly this has happened when I've gone back to reunions, I could blow them down with a feather with that news. Um, but but it, 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 it really um, did save my life. So 
in a nutshell, I, um, I'm a Kiwi. I lived in London for, um, for a number of years with my husband and my first child. And then we moved to Melbourne, where we are now. And within one year of arriving in Melbourne, I obviously all my family are in New Zealand. I did have one friend here, um, which was a, a big motivator for me to move here, um, a bestie here. She, uh, um, so within one year of arriving, we bought a house, we renovated it, I got pregnant. And when I was seven and a half months pregnant with our second child, my husband told me that he had met the love of his life and he moved out and moved in with hers. Um, and he'd, he'd met her six weeks earlier. So um, I was then not only a single mother, but about to give birth and going through a divorce, all in a new country with very little support uh, and with a mortgage. It was it was um, traumatic, to say the least. Now, their story is sad, but um, it never brings me to tears. What always brings a tear to my eye is the people who stepped up and um, I feel choked up just telling you about it, who stepped up and some strangers and some people I know that um, really supported me through this stage. One of one such person, um, she was a Kiwi. I was teaching with her in London. She flew um, to Melbourne. I picked her up from the airport and I said, how long are you staying with me? And she said, oh, till I know you're on your feet. Um, and she stayed with me for six weeks and every day she would say, what are we going to do for exercise? Now, the doctor, this was when my son was three months old at this stage. Um, now, the doctor had prescribed me antidepressants, mm. but I didn't have depression. I don't suffer from depression. I had post-traumatic syndrome. Um, you know, I, I'd had trauma, but it wasn't something that was I don't know acknowledged or put in such a way I you know I was just kind of told by the medical profession just to get on with it mm -hmm. and and so antidepressants really were not good for me because they were wasn't what was happening for me and exercise um, not only changed my life but it saved my life so when I had to go back to work, and I did have to go back to work very quickly, I could not go back to teaching because I just couldn't bear it. So I retrained at 35 to become a fitness professional. Um, and I gave myself a year to do the training um, part-time because I was juggling the kids. Um, and during that time, I... I also pushed myself really hard at the gym because I had an image of what a personal trainer should look like. And so I was going hell for leather to get there. And it just so happened that um, something else was happening to me. After both my babies, I didn't have any pelvic floor dysfunction. I was fit and healthy and young and I recovered very quickly. I had lots of positives um, but during this year of going really hard at the gym, I started to have incontinence. Now, I finally, when I was um, at this stage, I was teaching body pump and I was teaching up to six classes a day. And it was starting to really freak me out because 
I'd started off just having like a panty liner that was fine to having a full-blown pad and then being really frightened I'd lose the whole of my bladder on stage and you know when you're on stage teaching a body pump class all those women are looking their eye level is at your crotch so (laughs) you know I started to get really anxious so I finally plucked up the courage to go to my GP and I honestly hand on heart Nat and Lisa thought she was going to say to me oh my goodness you are the youngest woman who has incontinence in the whole world because in my mind I equated it to something that happened to older women much older women but she was fabulous and she sent me off to um, a pelvic health physiotherapist or they used to be called women's health physiotherapists at Royal Women's and I was given um, an internal examination to test the strength of my pelvic floor and to see what the state of my pelvic floor was in Um, and while I was yabbering away you can probably guess I do like a bit of a chin wag um, to the pelvic health physiotherapist I was telling her that I was a personal trainer I'd started a business and I was just focusing on working with moms and and you know loving life except for this thing that was happening to me this very embarrassing thing and that I just couldn't cope with and um, and she just spat these words out to me with such contempt for me she said you have to stop exercising the way that you are because you're going to have a prolapse and you'll have to have surgery to fix it and my uh, my answer to her was well what's a prolapse I don't even know and So she didn't give me any answers. All I could think was, I can't have surgery. I'm a single mum. She said I wouldn't be able to lift up my children. And I had, you know, a toddler and a baby. And, you know, my mind was just racing of, oh, my God, I'm in a profession that I can't do. So I... Um, having surgery was not an option for me and it it doesn't have to be an option for any woman she was just trying to scare me it was a really inappropriate thing that she said to me because um, I had a runaway son my second child you know was a runner so you can't tell a mother of a runaway kid they can't run because if their child's about to hit the road, they're going to sprint. They're going to sprint immediately. And also, my babies were really chunky, chunky babies. They were really heavy. So I was lifting heavy weight just with my day job of being a mum. So it was inappropriate for me to stop doing what I was doing. So I went home and being the nerdy bookish person that I am I went straight to my textbooks to see what it was all about and that's when I noticed that pelvic floor was not even a muscle that was on any diagrams and certainly not um, nothing about uh, prolapse or pelvic floor dysfunction so that pushed me into a really big learning curve and I coupled with an amazing pelvic health physiotherapist and together we created a business 
proposal of how we could get women into her so she could be the eyes on the inside and then I could train women appropriately. Um, it was a real win-win situation and that was the business that I franchised and, and through that, you know, I am essentially a teacher. Um, you know, I have learned there are uh, workarounds for training women that you, you know, it's not like women can't train like men. They absolutely can, but we need to know the differences through different periods of our life and particularly in this perimenopause phase as well. So that's a, a very long story um, to, get, to get the answer. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I am. Now I, um, I teach fitness professionals. I've been teaching fitness professionals for a long time around, um, around pelvic health um, and um, around women's health. And I just have to add one more point. Um, in the last couple of years, I've been on the board that has reviewed certificate three and four in fitness. So I know intimately what is in the education. And I can tell you that although I stood on my soapbox, I was invited onto this panel because I am quite outspoken in my industry, I still was unable to get very little change. So the current education for fitness professionals is based on research of young fit men. There is nothing in there that is specific for women. There's a little bit of postnatal. There is nothing about perimenopause. So if your fitness professional has not done extra education in this area, you need to do a U-turn and find someone who does. Can I just say, well, I actually, I, I didn't know much of your story, and only a little bit, and a new country, a divorce, two little babies, finding yourself as a single mum, re-educating yourself, um, you know, and, and finding that you've got this um, this issue. And then, you know, you fast forward to today, you've done so much and it's, and I, you know, those, there's definitely those obstacles, you know, coming up that you've chosen just to push through. Amazing. What, what a fabulous story and how, how much inspiration can that be for women that are listening to this podcast as well? So, and then we, you know, fast forward to this point about the current education being around young fit men. Oh my God, don't get me started about this because there are so many differences. And um, we talk about these differences, you know, for women in our female advantage program as well. And it just has to change. And I'm just flabbergasted that there's no thought process in this change coming through and, and really uh, providing that information based on women's bodies. And, and even with hormones and, you know, diets and things like that, or, you know, different types of ways of eating from a new, putting on my nutritional hat. A lot of that research has been done on men and um, in the past, not even on women hardly at all, because we don't want to account for those different hormonal changes that we go through each month as well, you know. So, well, that's um, a fabulous answer. So I really enjoyed listening to your story there. So, Mish, we're really, um, you know, we're aware of the benefits of exercise and you touched on it um, as well. And exercise does support our, our whole health. And, you know, Nat and I are always talking about it. As a women's fitness expert, you can you provide your insights into the type of exercises women can embrace to support themselves during menopause? 
And what are some of the obstacles you see women coming up against around starting exercise? Mm, good question. Um, um, we have to say that if, if exercise was a pill to cure lots of shit, not just our physical stuff, but our mental, it would be a magic pill. Um, but if we have been inactive for a long time, it can be really hard to start. And if we do start, and when I, when I tell women about the, the research and, and just um, so some research that was published this year um, between 2014 and 2020, only 6% of sport and exercise research was based on women. So when I talk to, when I tell women this, they understand why they don't quite fit in. And fortunately, they take it on as their fault. So it can put them off um, going back when, when their prolapse symptoms are made worse. Or like me, they're pushed, you know, there is such a thing as exercise-induced incontinence and exercise-induced prolapse. But the thing is, is that incontinence and prolapse does not kill women. Inactivity does not just for physical health, but mental health. But I'm preaching to the converted. Most people on the street know that exercise is good for them, but we are still largely inactive. So this is where the crunch is. What should we be doing or how can we do it? And I'm going to put it to you really simply. I've got some really simple rule of thumbs, but number one, find your joy. Because if you get up and think, do you know what? I'm going to do the couch to 5K or the, you know, this big kind of hairy audacious goal. Well, good luck with that. Because, um, you know, you've probably got um, past experience of failing these great big goals because it wasn't something that gave you joy. It was something that you believed you, you thought you should be doing. Maybe you've seen someone else do it and it's kind of worked for them or you imagine that that's you. Go back to finding something that gives you joy. So maybe that might be revisiting roller skating. You know, um, maybe it's you, you enjoyed netball or tennis. So that's number one. Find something that brings you joy because any activity is better than no activity. So that's, that's you know, the real key number one. The second one I would say is um, understanding the importance of weight training. So you won't get big bulky muscles with weight training, but, um, and I'm sure you've probably talked about this on your podcast, during the menopause, perimenopause trend, or the transition, we have our big drop of estrogen. So we really need to, um, you know, make that bone mass and that bone strength during this time when our estrogen is still um, high. Um, because that has got really good recovery benefits. But even if you're through to the other side and, um, you know, you're, you're already menopausal, you can still get stronger. Your muscles can grow and your bones can get stronger. So it's really important that you do weight training exercise. But I, it has to be a progressive weight training. So, you know, you're, you're getting stronger. But with someone who understands you and your unique set of circumstances. So, you know, it is about 
instead of the personal trainer or the person at the gym who's writing your program interviewing you, I would interview them. You know, what's their experience? Um, and then the third, um, third piece of advice that I would give is, so we've talked about estrogen and the drop of estrogen, which not only, you know, the other factors, you know, the sagging, so we see those wrinkles, but that sagging happens internally as well. All the fascia that holds our internal organs, that can all get, you know, be affected by the drop of estrogen and gravity and all those sort of things. So, yeah. Um, that's a effect of estrogen, but the second one is cortisol. So our cortisol is naturally high in the morning. So working out, we do need, you know, we cortisol is good for us. It wakes us up. It is a key in in creating muscle and bone strength. So so we need it to create that muscular and bone change. But too much of it, as you know can really affect our sleeping, our stress, our weight gain, all of those sort of things. So my, um, my recommendation is to exercise in the morning when your cortisol is naturally high. And also the other part of that is if you do have prolapse symptoms, that it's often much better in the morning as well. So exercising, you know, while you've got that pelvic floor strength, when at the end of the day, the gravity is, you know, has kind of really taken a toll on, um, on the strength of your pelvic floor. So those are my three things. One of the key mistakes that I see all the time and hear all the time is that um, women do what they did before you know, when they were younger, there's a bit of weight gain. And so when they're in their 20s and 30s, they could skip some meals, eat a bit less, go for a lot more cardio. And it made almost an instant difference. I can tell you that pushing that cardio might leave you more depleted and raise your cortisol level, which in turn makes you crave fatty, salty, um, high carbohydrate foods. So um, you should be leaving your session. So I've just finished playing an hour of cardio tennis. Um, I bite time feeling great. But if you get home and you feel like you have to have a nap because you're so exhausted, then you're going too hard. So you will know that, and sometimes, you know, there's a whole lot of other things, but listen to your body. So cardiovascular health, you know, activity is really good for us, but we really need to watch that we don't overdo it. Um, And yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And, you know, like my insides are jumping up for joy inside. And again, my my gratitude to you, Mish, in being on our podcast is just so full because, you know, there's such a there's two mentalities here that, you know, we know we need to exercise, but then we don't. And then the other mentality that people have is I've got to go to the gym and smash myself out for an hour to get any results. And I'm, I'm a keen runner and I run marathons and, and I love it. And that's, that's my passion. And so many people will talk to me about that and they're like, Oh, you know, I can't run. I'd love to run. And I always say to them, do you like running? Yeah. And 90% of the time they'll say to me, no, 
Yeah. I'm like, so don't push yourself to run. Find that yeah. thing that you love because that is what is going to make you feel good afterwards and, and during. So exercise doesn't need to be something that's tedious or seen as a chore. It's got to be something that we, we love and enjoy so that we finish the session feeling vibrant and alive and, and energized. So, yeah, thank you for all that you shared. Yeah. Now, I had to bring up one of the questions from our uh, menopause day event, actually, because it really did generate quite a response. And even after the event, you know, um, women who attended spoke about what you shared. And, you know, you said at our event, make hay while the sun shines with regards to doing strength training in our late 30s. And the question was, you know, does it mean that it's too late for women once they are through menopause? Um, or going through perimenopause and into their early senior years to inf influence and improve their bone strength through that, that weight training? It is never too late to get stronger and for your bones to get stronger. Um, but I would add in there that that balance training is more is also comes up to being as important um, when you're through the other side as well. So including that because we want to, um, you know, make sure if we have a fall, um, we can catch ourselves because the statistics around falls are, are pretty horrifying that, um, you know, if people, people have a fall they're more likely to have the second fall, you know, within 12 to 18 months after that. And that's one of the single biggest reasons why um, it shortens people's life and puts them into care. So um, having, you know, having that balance training is really, really important. And there is another point that I want to um, uh, make about this. A lot of people don't realize that if you have over-exercised and dieted under eight, for most of your life, then you have a higher chance of osteoporosis. And they call it the silent killer because it's not until you have a wee fall, you know, you trip like we all do. It's not age related. We all trip, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you break a hip and that's when they have a DEXA scan to find out actually, you know, they've got osteopenia, osteoporosis. Um, and this can be um, much more prevalent for women who have been underweight and who have over, have a long history of over exercising. What a great um, what a great answer! You just given us another great answer there, and lots that women listening in here can take away and really implement in relation to you know how they do their movement and what kind of movement that they look at doing and how that's having an effect on them. And this podcast, as you know, is all about power and finding and nurturing and using our personal power as we transition through perimenopause and beyond. What does coming into your own power mean to you? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, so <laughs> when you go through, and I, I present a, a lot about, you know, the, the changes that happen through the perimenopause time, and I often say, look, the whole thing can be basically a shit sandwich. You know, um, you know, there's the loss of there's the loss of um, bone density. There's you know dry vagina, so sex is more uncomfortable. There's the sagging, the the lack of collagen and the and the return that we used to have. So uh, there's the fact that estrogen is. Um, it, it, 
is, is a wonderful anti-inflammatory. So with that drop of estrogen, you know, you wake up with aches and pains. So I, you know, it can be seen as this stage being a total shit sandwich. And what I'm, what my power and stepping into my power is finding the stories of joy. So I'm looking all the time for women who are older than me, who are doing amazing things. So this could be, um, you know, famous people. So for example, you know, did you know, Julia Child was 52 when she first went on TV and became a, um, you know, an absolute sensation. And she was on TV doing her cooking, French cooking shows, right up into her 90s, right? So, you know, wonderful stories like that. But then I also think of my, um, my best friend, the one who I told you about who lives here in Melbourne, you know, her mum retrained in her 50s. Um, and, you know, we were in our 20s then uh, to do um, a business degree, and then ended up running a really large hospital in New Zealand. So, you know, it's not just famous people, but looking around, uh, and filling up your world. Well, I, this is what I do, is I fill up my world with stories of amazing women who are forging away and they are starting it now in their 50s. You know, we, and, and actually the research tells us that um, women in their 50s are the most likely, we think, you know, millennials are gonna do all the change. Uh-uh, it's, it's us. We're doing the massive life changes. You know, we could be uh, starting to be free of the shackles of, of caring for children and all of that. And so, you know, stepping into um, what you're going to be doing um, and, and embracing that. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> incredible and again you speak my language and you know again as you were talking i'm reflecting on how i or what the drive for me in coming into my own business and supporting women around you know living their best life and finding their passion is because i you know watched my mum put her life on the back burner raising her kids and you know i used to say to her come on let's go and you know let's find something for you to do or get back into work you know and she did but you know, it's just that that passion wasn't there. And I just always wanted to now having my own daughter teach other women and be a role model for my daughter that it doesn't matter how old you are, that you can re-accelerate your life and find that thing that you're so passionate about at no matter what age. So yeah, I love it. Mm. Mm. So if she's had a major caring role, she could have she could be quite exhausted. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but it is, but the lesson that taught you probably, I'm imagining that you started a lot earlier to claw back and your life is just not a servant for other people, um, you know, and your values and your interests and your goals are just as important as the other people in your family. Definitely. And she played, you know, such an important role model role to me. And um, yeah, definitely without a shadow of a doubt, I've, I've looked at her and thought, yeah, you know, I, I want to pursue these things um, and perhaps pursue things that she hadn't pursued because she put them on the back burner. And yeah, I have full appreciation and gratitude for, yeah, the caring role that she has had and, and, and still has today. Definitely. Mish, I guess, um, 
just in wrapping up our episode, it's been fabulous to have you here and sharing your very personal story. And we appreciate, you know, your openness and your honesty. Um, could you let us know where do our listeners find you and where could they, you know, even sign up for your program? Sure. Well, I'm so excited about my program. So I've been writing online education for quite some time. Um, and Evolution, which is a revolution in women's wellness, is available for, for women of all ages. It, I call it the missing women's wisdom. So how to navigate exercise um, regardless of where you are in, in your life cycle. So, and, you know, it may be that you are not pregnant or you are not even menstruating anymore but I like to think that we all need this information to share it with our daughters with our you know our nieces with our friends who who don't know this information it really is missing in our in our life so um, you can find the link to it from my website and my website is very easy because it's my name so it's www.mishwright so m-i-s-h-w-r-i-g-h-t dot com and um and from there and um we will also be having um so there are lots of fitness professionals who have been doing my education as well and we're going to be launching a directory so that women can connect with a fitness professional who knows their shit so who knows how to train women appropriately and stops training them like small men oh god i love that so much mish <laughs> How brilliant is that, Matt? Just music to our ears, right? Oh, definitely. Well, thanks for your time today, Mish. We've had such a lovely time um, hearing your story and um, I could listen to you for another hour, actually. I'm sure you've got plenty more stories to tell. Well, yes, I, uh, I'll have to save it for another podcast. <laughs> yes. Sounds a great idea. <laughs> thanks so much, Mish. Have a great day. Thank you so much for having me and, um, and for everyone out there listening to this today. Thanks again for sharing your time with us, learning how you can be your best energetic self no matter what life stage you are going through. Be sure to contact us if any of this content resonates with you. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of our future episodes. See you next time.